And so open up your Bibles, please, to chapter 4. As we take a look to chapter 4 in Deuteronomy, we see a call to obedience. Uh, Still, Moses is in the play. Moses is being used by God still in his life. Uh, God has not taken him yet, and he is now preparing, as we've seen, for his people, God's people, to go into the promised land. And, and when you're instructing, you give them clear instructions. That's how leaders do it. They repeat themselves, repeat themselves, repeat themselves, especially as God leads you to repeat yourself. Go tell the people this. Make sure you tell the people this. Make sure you tell the people this. That is why it's so important you hear and read the Word of God, because God, by the Spirit, is going to constantly remind us of the things that He's asking us to do that we have not yet done. He's called you to obedience, and we sometimes don't actually obey yet. We delay, and we kind of say, ah, we'll take faith to do that. Yes, that's why you know it's of God. If it doesn't take faith, it's not going to be of God. So you, these things we've learned, and, and God's so gentle and long-suffering uh, with us, thank God, because we don't always immediately obe- uh, be obedient to what God's showing us by his word uh, and confirming by his word of the things that we should do. Well, Moses is here is challenging the nation to, to a call to obedience because that's what God's called them to do. And we see here in Deuteronomy 4, just take first verses, the first eight verses here, and Moses is going to challenge Israel. Uh, that, now remember, the things in the past and the things you saw what God has done to, in and through our people and around and to our enemies, you're not to forget these things. These are lessons that you remember. You it, it just, just learn from those, 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 those lessons and now call to obedience. Now don't do those again. <laughs> just don't go back there. Just don't repeat to those same, same mistakes. Learn from the past. So this is exactly what we see here. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments, what I teach you to observe, right? To obey, to observe, that you may live. That means not just listening. That means actually living this out in your life. You're supposed to live these things, I'm telling you. And go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. God's doing this work. God's giving this to you. And he told his father, it's your fathers. Now he's telling you, this is yours because this is what God has God to give to you. And you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Oh, very, very important to underline that if you have your own Bible. And you underline that because we should never add or delete from the Word of God. When God is speaking, you hold on to the truths of God. You don't listen to any talking head or any some latest book and they try to add or delete or change that. You are not to do that. And here God is telling Moses to tell the people it is very important that or they're obedient on this account. And that account is do no touchy, no adding or no deleting from the word of God that he is commanding you to do. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did to Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal Peor. Remember, they followed and went against God, and they went and followed the, uh, you know, this, this, this place, these people, and it, it, they lost their lives because of it. But you uh, who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Those are very encouraging and strong words. Because you were obedient, because you followed me, you're still alive. That's the only reason why you're still alive. And uh, it's so it rings so true to us today, is it not? You, you look back and go, oh, wow. If I, that, ooh. 
if that followed through and I actually did what I would do, and oh, this, and I did this and did that, I wouldn't be alive today. You know, have you had those moments in your lives when you realize, ooh, I did that and he allowed that? Hmm, that would have been a bad deal for me. But you're still alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments as, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, there's a transition, therefore, that's a signal to all of us when you see therefore, what for? Well, therefore, be careful to observe, to obey, to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all of these statutes and say, surely this, is, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Did you catch that? He says, therefore, be careful to observe them. Why? Because your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, the peoples who are watching your life, the people who have been watching what God has been doing in the lives of the Israelites, they're watching everything you're doing and they're learning good and bad from that. Parents, it's a good warning. Your, your, your peoples, your peoples are your children. They're watching what you're doing. They listen to every word they say and do and, and how you act and don't react. These things they're learning from you. So be, make, make note of those things. So he says, hey, what's going to happen is the peoples are watching who, who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this is a great nation. Oh, did you see what's going on over there? The Israelites? That's a great nation. Is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. Can you see this, how great of a nation it is? We can obviously see God working in that people's lives. This is amazing. And it speaks to the nations around them, their enemies clearly understood and could see God working in their lives and taking care of and providing for them and protecting them and, and, and whipping the, their enemies. I mean, it was so obvious to the non-believers, obvious to the, non, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and even to the Jews like Esau and all of the Edomites and all of them who were brethren. They could see what God was doing. Do you know that's true in our lives today? That people are watching, the, the non-believers are watching your life and seeing how you're acting and how God is working in and through and restoring your life and, and blessing you and, to, and bringing you through just tragedy after tragedies and all that stuff. They're watching and going, God is with that man. God is with that, that family. God is with that church. God is with that. People are, are going to witness what God's doing. And they should just cry out that they, they follow a great God. They follow a good God. They trust in a good God in their lives. They really are living it. They're not just, they're not just talking about it. They actually live what they talk about, this Christianity thing. So for what great nation is there that not only is the, that God is so, so, so with them, they're so close to them, they, they, whatever reason we may call upon him, he's right there to listen to him. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? This is, a, this is a nation that God is involved and God has statutes and laws and order. There's some order. There's, there's, there's goodness of what's in place. It's not chaos. It's not lawlessness. It's not all these things that the people are looking upon other nations. 
There was a nation of laws, a nation, there's order, there's, they, there's, there's, there's fairness and equality, and people were noticing that because God is the one who was, was driving this, was ruling. They were, they were listening and following in, in obedience. See, one of Satan's greatest strategies is to make us remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. Do you know that? If we don't remember our past sins and rebellions against God and say, oh, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to forget that. I, I don't want to live it. I don't want to replay it in my mind. But I just not don't want to forget it because I don't want to go back there. That's when Satan's for completely, and I hear it all the time. Oh, pastor, you don't know my life. And you hear the story and it's like, oh, wow. And you survived. You're still alive to tell me about this. This is amazing. But look what God has done in your life. And it's like six months later, they're saying, I think I'm going to be going back and doing those things again. You're like, can I please replay what you told me six months prior so you can hear it from your own words? that <laughs> You're going back to the old life? You, you described it as vomit, and you wanted to get away from it. Now you're the dog going back. I come, are you open your ears, please? As a pastor, it drives me crazy. Because you, you paint this picture. Oh, it wasn't as bad as it was? No, that relationship was destroying you. And, and you, you think it wasn't bad? You think you want to go back? You, you know. Listen to the words here. I mean, God is going to remind them how important it is. It's like in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. <laughs> stand strong, man. Stay with the word of God. Stay following God because if you don't, if you take, don't take heed of what has happened in your past and not to repeat it, you're going to fall again. It's just a matter of time. The spiritual life, this even death depends on Israel's obedience. If they weren't going to be obedient to God, they were going to die. Their spiritual life would have just been deteriorating if they're not willing to listen and follow God. Yet, at the same time, this immediate sense of physical life and death depended on their obedience. Israel was also about to attack a strong nation. They're about to go into the promised land and come against a very strong nation. And if they're not willing to push out into the promised land and do what God is obediently asking them to do, please, you must do the following. They're going to be in trouble. They're going to lose. The enemy is going to win if you do not trust God is saying to go to conquer them, you are to conquer it. The giant is in front of you, but God says, you're, I'm with you and I'm going to take that giant down. If you don't deal with it, it's going to take you down. It's only a matter of time that giant is in your life is going to take you down. Matter of fact, it played out well because they should have remembered in Joshua 7, uh, where Israel's first military loss in the promised land was at uh, Ai because they literally did not listen. They disobeyed God and 36 men died in Ai because one man in Israel, Achan, did not obey the command of the Lord. One guy. And 36 lost their lives because of that. Remember, your disobedience always has consequences. It never affects just you. It affects everyone around you. And you always have to remember that, and you must teach your children that, because that's very clear in the Scripture. But it says, again, that warning to us, do not add or delete from the word which I command to you, 
nor take anything from it, right? Because the principle here is God's word stands and does not need our help to add or delete from it. (laughs) It's perfect. Why are you messing with God's word? We are not to add in a sense of making traditions or opinions of men to be equal to the word of God. Oh, how prevalent it is today. The word of God is clearly right here, but then everyone is grabbing their favorite author and tickles their fancy kind of teacher, speaker, writer book, and they, they make it equal. All you hear is, did you read their book? Did you read their book? Did you read it? No, tell me, please, you're reading the 66 books in the Bible. Tell me that. And tell me you're not keeping that equal to the such and such person who just wrote his latest book. Please don't compare those as equals. Don't do it. It's like saying, oh, Satan and God, they're going to battle... Satan is not equal to God because he is not God. He is a fallen angel. He's no, there's no equality there. He's not omni-nothing. So stop comparing Satan like has the power over God. He doesn't. And neither does any other writer or teacher have any power over the word of God in his own writings. You've got to remember that because people will just grab a hold of books and think and they change their lives based on this book. From some person that is just a, a person. It's not God. It's not God's word. So be very careful what you read outside of the Bible. Revelation 22, 18 and 19 is really a, a really strong passage about the how teaching or explaining away passages or bad teaching. It says right here, For I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Hello, that should bring fear. (laughs) anyone who wanted to even think about teaching the word of God or writing anything that somehow thinks it's as equal to the word of God. You are in, you better be, be, know what the scripture warns us about. I don't want any plagues on my life. Do you want plagues on your life? Do you want to be taken, you know, as it says right here, God shall take away his part from the book of life. I mean, I take those things seriously. God says it, I take it seriously. I don't need to be explained. That's very clear to me in the English words. I don't want to even touch it. I don't even get near it. I don't want to be on the edge of it. I don't want to justify anything. So when you hear some teachings that explain away the word of God that you do not have to read the Old Testament, you're in trouble. Not you. If you obey it, you're in trouble. But if the person who's saying that, they're in trouble. Oh, book of Revelation. You don't need to read it. The book of Romans. Ah, now forget it. Just have your little placards on your house and there's just those one little verse here, a little verse here, a little verse here. That's all you need. Just, but you could give up my devotional though. That's what you need to do. Hold on to my devotional. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Compared to the word of God? No, 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 no. Well, let me move on from that. Surely this is a great nation and is a wise and understanding nation. See, God's intention 
was that through Israel's call to obedience to the covenant with God of going into the promised land and seizing that promised land and occupying that promised land, he would exalt them among the nations and make them a witness to God. That's what he was using the nation of Israel for, is to bring glory to God through their lives and what he's doing through their lives. How does God get glorified today? Is through our lives, the church, you, me, the God that dwells within us. He uses us to bring glory to him. People look at your life and go, it's a, you have an amazing life. Amazing what God's done in through, in through your life. Brought you through that tragedy, through this tragedy, this, this, and you're just the peace and the joy that's filled in your life, even with all the challenges in your past and stuff. It is amazing what God has brought you through. It is amazing. It's such a good God. That's what we want to have happen, don't we? That God, that people look at our lives, our children look at our, us as parents and say they're godly parents and they've helped me to be raised up to be a godly person, to be, keep their eyes on Jesus. And now I'm going to have children that I can raise my own children up knowing that I can just, I do exactly what my parents did. I mean, it's just, or grandparents, some people even have a, a, a heritage of great-great-grandparents of godly people living for God and raising the next generation up. Amazing. But they were called. It was so obvious that Queen, uh, Queen of Sheba came down and visited Solomon because the word all the way from there came and she had to see it herself of this great nation. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 10. That she came down just because it was such an acknowledgement of a great nation she had to see it herself. Now, in verses 9 through 20, we see Moses' challenges here uh, and through the example there on Mount Sinai or Horeb. We see it. Now, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Again, it's another warning, is it not, right there? Just, can you please just take heed of your, to yourself? Take inventory of yourself. What is going on in your head right now? What is going on in your heart? What is going on in your life? What are the things you're pondering on? What are you going? What, who are you hanging with? What are you looking and, 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 and secretly thinking about? Take heed to yourself. It's very important you do that. Why? Because you need to diligently keep yourself. Keep it. You have responsible to it. Don't blame someone else who didn't keep your house. You've got to get your house in order. Get your life in order. Why? Because God is going to help you do that. He's going to give you the helper, the Holy Spirit, to do that as a believer. But you've got to do your part and take heed. You've got to be diligent to keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen. You forget the past of things, what you've already God has brought you through, or lest you depart from your heart all the days of your life. Ah, your heart changes. Did you notice that? That's what happens when you don't take heed. Your heart will change. It will get hardened toward the things of God. It will harden toward the things of God's people. You will not want to be around God's people. You want to hear the word of God, and you certainly don't want to talk about God. Unless you are a life-death experience, then it's all crying out to God then, because you know you screwed up and you need to get saved from the situation at hand. 
But it's, and teach them to your children. So you don't have a responsibility just for yourself. You have a responsibility to teach your children and your grandchildren. Especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in the Horeb. When the Lord said to me, right there at Mount Sinai, right? Gather the people to me and I will let them hear my words. And the words that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth. I want them to have such an awe and such a wonder and such a fear in the fact this is a great God. He hears us and we can hear his voice on the mountaintop, Mount, Mount Sinai. Did you see the smoke and the fire and the, and the sound? Unbelievable. We'll never forget this moment. And that they may teach their children because their children weren't there to witness eyewitness it. They need to hear the words from your mouth, the passion that you have of the God that spoke from, to you from Mount Sinai. Your children need to hear that story, clear as can be. Then you come near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven with darkness and cloud and thick darkness. Can you imagine the scene? And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You didn't see God. You just, you just heard God. And you only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me that time to teach you statues and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourselves. There's the warning again. You need to be obedient here. You need to observe. You need to take heed. For you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of, a, of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth or on the likeness of any winged birds that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground or the likeness of any fish that is in the, the water beneath the earth. Take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and moon and the stars and all the host of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, versus serving the Creator, right? Be careful what you ponder on all these images you're creating that's around you, all the creation that God has done. Be very careful. Why? Because you feel, notice key word there, you feel driven. You feel in touch with that tree. You feel you're in touch with the ocean. You feel in touch with it. Up here, it's all about snowflakes. Are you in touch with those snowflakes? But that's how people can lose track of who's the one that created that unique snowflake. It's only been one that's created. Not one snowflake is the same. That should bring incredible awe to you and me. But anyway... It's driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heavens as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace. Notice that. Don't forget, I brought you out of a very hot spot in your life that you should have been burned up. 
you should have been torched. You should have been gone, not living anymore. But notice that he says, no, I brought you out of the iron of furnace out of Egypt to be his people and inheritance as you are in this day. So you see it very clearly that Moses is speaking to them about how important it is that God himself directly spoke to the people of Israel right there at the Mount Sinai, Horeb, right there. in They couldn't see him, no form, but man, could they hear him. And boy, did they see the fireworks going on around him, the smoke and the fires and everything else. That was overwhelming when we studied that part in the, uh, in the previous scriptures there in Exodus. But Moses told the nation to especially to tell their children about that experience at Mount Sinai. Do not forget to tell your, your children and your grandchildren. It's this experience that they knew that children had to hear and to learn that God showed up right there and spoke to their fathers or their grandfathers. But he made a very clear subject here. You start taking a look around of all the things that God has created, all the sounds and all the things that the, you, you, what you're hearing and seeing and stuff. Be very careful not to take up carved images, things that you have to touch and feel where you can start worshiping to and at. That is a very dangerous place to be. You are not to do that because Israel was forbidden to worship the creation of God. You are not to worship the creation of God. No beast, no bird, no sun, no moon, no stars, None of them are fit to be worshipped. Only the God of the, the Creator Himself is to be worshipped. Period. There is no question that was supposed to be taught to, to them to remember and to teach their children and their children's children. That is non-negotiable. So if you get there and you get in touch with the nature and this is all this stuff, be very careful how much you get to a point where you have, I can only worship God if I'm in this natural environment. Be very careful when you start going down that path. Don't get me wrong. Mountaintop experience is a great place when there's no electronics and clutter and people and it's just hearing the birds and seeing the suns and hearing, and you're just quiet, just you and God. That is a beautiful thing. But don't let the environment, the place, be a place that you can only worship. Why? Because we're supposed to be worshiping him all day long. <laughs> Everywhere you're at. You should be able to talk to him. And praise him and be thankful for him and what he has done. And so worshiping the creation, creator rather than the creator, uh, worshiping the creature versus rather than the creator is a warning in Romans 1.25. We see in verse 21 here of, of, of chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, it says there, Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God has given giving you as an inheritance, but I must die in this land. He's, he's really letting him know what God is telling him here. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed, that word again, take heed to, your, to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Wow, you know, some people who are non-believers or, or believers who are cardinal or maybe Christians in, in name only, 
they struggle with that one verse right there, that God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. What do you mean he's a jealous God? Yes. He wants you to worship no other than him. He created you and me to worship him. That's it. That's the reason why you were created, is to worship him. It was for the sake of Israel that God disciplined Moses for going against and misrepresenting of who God is. Remember, he struck a rock. He was not supposed to. He was supposed to just speak to the rock. And, and by faith, he was speaking to the rock, and the rock would have come with water. But no, out of anger and out of emotion and out of angry with God's people and out of what God is allowing was happening, he struck it again. And we went over that in previous teachings. And that discipline that God had to bring upon Moses not allowing him to enter the promised land, Israel needed to see that no man, not even Moses, not even the leader that God chose to lead them out of Egypt, no man, not even Moses, was above the law. Hello? No spiritual leader, no one in a leadership position is above the word of God. I don't think I need to repeat myself. But unfortunately, many times people think they get into positions and power and somehow they're above the law. Spiritually, politically, corporately, they somehow think they're above the law. It's not right. They also had to understand that it was indeed better that Joshua would lead them into the promised land instead of Moses. That this was part of, this is God's plan. This is what needed to happen. So here Moses is telling them humbly. No, I, Moses, humbly are telling you right now and recognize his own sin and failure. That uh, this is what he did in front of Israel. He misrepresented God. And he, he had enough faith to believe that they would make it even without him. See, I think it's a great lesson here because Moses knew that he was replaceable. He is so humbled. He was so much for the people. He realized God knows what's best. And if that means removing him and bringing a new leader in, then that is the best for his people, God's people. He didn't get in a position where he thinks mightier than himself, that he's irreplaceable. It's a dangerous thing. When anybody in the ministry begins to think they're doing something that no one else can do, or that they are irreplaceable in the ministry. God can do and does use anyone at any time, any way he would like. He is in control of his church. And if a ministry doesn't depend on any one irresistible person, irre, you know, replaceable person, God never designs it that way. We must stay humble and realize we get to just do this because of God's grace and no other reason. And when he says you're done, you're done. And what you don't want and what we don't want who serves within the ministry of serving God in the way he's called, never to get into that first place where nothing's going to happen if God doesn't use me. You know, that kind of attitude. And I can go and do whatever and live however I want to, even if it goes contrary to the word of God. And no, God ain't going to do anything about that. He'll, he'll, he'll let me continue to do what I'm doing. No, he won't. Scripture is very clear for those who are pastors. You could, you could be, get disqualified to be in the ministry. And he takes you out. 
So Moses wasn't like that. He understood. He was humble enough and unwise enough and then communicated to them, this is why it is. For God, your, your God, your Lord, your God is a consuming fire. <laughs> Moses simply says, just a simple thing. If God did, did not spare me when I blew it in the ministry, when I blew it there leading you and I screwed up, if he didn't spare me, don't think he will spare you if you turn to other gods. If you turn to other gods, he ain't going to spare you. He'll take you out of that position. Because God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29 echoes this exact same thing that we studied in Hebrews. Now we get to chapter 4, verse 25 through 28. Look at what happens here. It said, Moses warns the nation about the dangers of disobedience. It's when you beget children and the grandchildren have grown old in the land and act uh, corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of God, your God to provoke him to anger, right? Or uh, in the sight of God, in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger. I called heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will utterly perish from the land which you crossed over the Jordan to possess and you will not prolong your days in it, but you will be utterly destroyed and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples and you will be left few in the number among the nations where the Lord will, will drive you and there you will serve gods the work of man's hands wood and stone which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell so he Moses tell him, tells him very clearly um, you, if you go in against God and you start not doing what God's doing and you're not obedient and you're disobedient, just know there's consequences that will follow. God's given you the promised land. You're not going to stay there very long if you go against God once you're in there. God gave you the promised land. He brought you in there. He conquered the enemies. He's got rid of your giants. Your life is good. You possess the land. You're taking and reaping from the wonderful blessings from the land and what God's given you. And then you decide to go against God after you've got your life in such a great order because God did it. And then you're going to go turn against God and start worshiping and going back to your life. You're not going to stay. And we know 550 years later, they were taken to Babylonian exile by, of Judah. Because they went against God. And they were warned, don't do it. Tell the generation, your children, your children's children, don't do it, don't do it. God says this 550 years later. What happens? Judah's in exile in the Babylonians. Why? Because they went against God. If Israel was exiled, they would then get their fill, as he says here in these verses, you're going to get fill, you're going to get your fill of all the idols. Because God would put them in a land filled with idols. You want, to, you want that in your life? You want those idols? You want those stuff, those people that go against God? You want it? Okay, great. I will, I will give it to you. Oh, how important a lesson that is for us. 
Be very careful what you ponder on. Be very careful what you seek after. Be very careful what you desire in your heart, in your secrets of heart, heart, of what you want to go do and play around in the internet and all these things. Because if you do these things, God turns you and allows you to have that and it takes his hands away and says, okay, I'm going to just step back, watch you go right to it. I'll give you your fill because it will just flood over you. You'll, get so, you'll be bloated, man, by the time I fill you up with all that stuff you want. That would be bad. That would be really bad. That's why I believe, when I always tell you, when I learn the scripture, if you go back to the old life, it always gets worse. It's never back to where you were. It always gets worse in the sins that you were in. You will get below, it will be filled with all the idols and junk that you were trying to avoid. You'll go back. If you were a drinker, you'll be a drinker probably to death. If you were a drug addict, you'll probably bring yourself to a death. You will, it gets worse not to where you were. And I think this is so clear that God says, make sure you're going to get chastised. You're going to, you're going to get corrected. You're going, to, you're going to get dealt with because God will not have any other idols in your life. Verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God. <laughs> when you've got your fill, you're going to seek the word of God. And you will find him and you will seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. And when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. So right here, I love this because now Moses turns and says, okay, you learn from the past, don't go back, take heed. This is the consequences. If you do, you're going to get your fill of all those idols if you desire those. And then he brings in verses 29 through 31, God's mercy to the exiled Israel. You're out there, you're getting your full, you're, you're in bondage and slavery, but because of you have a, a merciful God, he's going to, if you will seek God, your, your Lord your God, and you find him, if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and obey God's voice. Obey God's word. He will not forsake you nor destroy you. I love those words of promises. His mercy. He's not going to destroy you. He's just going to take you to the very end of yourself when you have nothing. And then he's going to bring you back. That's his mercy. God will not totally abandon these, his Israel in exile. When they were ready to turn back to the Lord, he would be ready to receive them back. When the prodigal son had his fill what happened the father welcomed him back that is the mercy of God but they had to what they had if they're going to find the Lord they had to seek him with the words are very clear in there all their heart all their soul it's all In this context, the context here is to seek God with the heart has the idea of this passionately seeking him, fully compassionately seeking him, not half-hearted, not some passive, not of its convenient, uh, convenient heart, not the simplicity. I mean, diligently, passionately seeking because you really want to love the Lord. 
Why do we passionately seek after God? Because we really want to love the Lord. That's it. To love Him. To seek God with the soul has the idea of seeking God with our mind, our will, our emotions, and giving all of ourselves to Him. That's what it means to seek after God. But think about that. When you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice, ah, how important it is when we seek God with all of our heart and with all of our soul, it will show itself how? Obedience. You will obey the word of God. You'll obey what God tells, asks you and tells you to do. In verse 32 through 40, we see here this serving God for for ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you, and since the day that God created man on earth, and asked from one end of the of the heaven to the other whether any great thing like that has happened, or anything like that has been heard, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard and lived? Or did God ever try to go to the, take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials and by signs and by wonders and by war and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great tears? According to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Those are some really deep questions. Have you ever seen that? To you it was shown. You got to see it. How many other people have ever seen that? You got to see this that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear the, his voice, that he might instruct you on earth. He showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought you out of Egypt with his presence. He was present with you throughout that whole experience. And, they, and with his mighty power dry, driving out from before you, nations greater, greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance, as it is this day. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. There is no other God you're going to follow. You're going to follow me. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today. This is the God I'm asking you. You're called to obedience. You need to follow the statutes and the judgments, the commandments that God has said. He is Lord. He is God. Which I command to you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all the time. Moses is sitting here telling him, this is a God, is one and only God. There is no other God. And when he tells you to jump, you jump. The statues, the commandments, the, command, the boundaries, the goes, the no-goes. Yes is the no's, the hold, be still, let's go forward, conquer, stay, run. All of these commands and statues that we see about living a life, we just are, are called to be obedient. We're called to obedience. 
Because they could know God, the Lord God themselves. There was a, he was an amazing God. He revealed himself by voice. He revealed himself through the fires and the clouds and all these things. He was not secret at all here. He just said, please, just be obedient to my commandments. Doesn't that make just perfect sense? That we just be obedient to what God is directing our lives to do? See, the Lord gives man this invitation. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, Isaiah 118. If we just even ponder on the alternatives of that, <laughs> if you just even just go off a little bit, serving a God is, is, is there's other options. No, there's only one option. Serving the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. That is the only God you're going to serve. There is no other gods. But so many times, we often think that we have it hard serving the Lord. This is not an easy life to serve him and be obedient and to follow his ways. But just remember, my brothers and sisters, if we don't, we'll be worse off. If we don't follow and just call to obedience to what God's called us in our lives, and we go live our own lives however we want to, according to our flesh and according to the world, and the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, you may not call it that because you're a Christian, you know that's those words you can't use, and you may dress it up in some other fashion or way, it's still disobedience if God says not to do something and you go do it anyway. If you live something that's contrary and you, only, you don't seek and worship him, you go seek and worship everything and anything else, even his creation, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. We must just have a nice, simple, I want to love God more. We, we sang it tonight. We sang words tonight. It talks about that love that you want to have with your Lord. Verse 41. He talks, Moses talks a little bit about the showing mercy and through those cities of refuge again. We studied that there. But he's being told, make sure you establish the remember there was a total of six, three on the east side of Jordan, three on the west side of Jordan, the promised land. He had to establish the first three because that is where the people were being settled in first before they go into the promised land. Look at it right there. It says, Then Moses set apart three cities on the, the side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun that the manslayer might flee there who kills his neighbor unintentionally and without having hatred uh, or hated him in the time past that by fleeing to one of these cities he might live and he names the three cities there on the east side bizarre in the wilderness the plateau plateau uh, for the Reubenites the Ramoth in Gilead for the Gadites and Golan in Bashan for the um, Manassehs so there's the three cities for the three people. This is where if you unintentionally kill someone, that's the city of refuge. That is supposed to be set up and how important that was. And finally, verses 44 through 49, we see Moses is really commanding commandments of God with the people. This will lead us into chapter 5 next uh, couple of weeks. 
um, from now will go, take us in and reminding the people of the Ten Commandments. But here it says, Now this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which Moses spoke to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt on this side of the Jordan in the valley opposite of Beth Peor in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites who dwelt in Hishbon, whose Moses and the children of Israel defeated after they came out of Egypt, and they took possession of the land of his land in the land of Og, king of Bashan, two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan towards the rising of the sun from Aor, er, which uh, is on the bank of the river of Ernan, even the Mount Sion, which is Hermon, and all the plain on the east side of the Jordan as far as the Sea of Arabah, below the slopes of Pisgah. So we see here, he, he describes these, these Moses addressing the nation and, and kind of gives us this, this threshold of the promised land. It has been some 38 years since they received the law of God at Mount Sinai. And now Moses here clearly is reviewing and explaining the law of God with the next generation to prepare them so they do not forget. And on this side of the Jordan where they were going to take and before they go into the promised land, they had to be trained in God's word. Before they were to go do God something, they need to be trained in God's word to go do it. And it would take not take it uh, by some kind of do-it-yourself, learn as you go. But literally, this is what God says, now be obedient, call obedience, go do it, entire, the entire word of God, this is what I need you to go do, and don't look back. That is as simple as it can be. And in chapter 5, when we get there, uh, next time I teach, you're going to see the reminder to these new generation, the Ten Commandments, and the importance of that to pass that on in this old covenant, in this going into the promised land. Because if they do not, which even after they've learned it, they don't heed and take heed and practice it and apply it consistently, they will rebel and go against God. And we just talked about it a little bit. They'll go into captivity, back into slavery. Not a good thing. But that's the history of the, of the Jewish people, isn't it? Obedience, disobedience, obedience, disobedience, obedience. And every time they just go against God, they get into slavery. Then they finally come to the end of themselves, they cry out to God, and he but merciful brings them back out. He goes for a period of time, then they go into disobedience. God allows the enemy come in, the old life come in, the outside will come in to take them and bring them into captivity. And they finally come to the end of themselves, they cry out, God goes in mercifully and pulls them back out. But each time there's a there's a weight, there is a detriment, there's death that happens in all that pain and suffering that was unnecessary in people's lives. That's why you're called to obedience to the word of God. Now apply it, live it, and have the peace of God dwell within you. 